Hey, y'all. Welcome to Preaching to the Choir podcast with your host, me, Jen Randall. Today, during our season full of arrangers and choreographers, we are interviewing Mr. Garrett Breeze, you know, Breeze Tunes. <laughs> um, he is an arranger who lives in Nashville and does a ton of show choirs, but also is a composer and a musician in his own right. We talked today about kind of arranging philosophies is a big chunk of our discussion, which I loved. And I think uh, as directors, we don't probably think about enough as well as how to staff your band and different parts for that. And just basically any question you've ever wanted to ask an arranger, I feel like I asked Garrett during this episode. So please enjoy this episode with Mr. Garrett Breeze. Thank you. Okay, well, let's start then with your your origin story. I love to call it. Um, tell us how uh, you got to being a show choir professional. Like, what was your path to becoming a professional arranger and composer? Well, actually, That's I really two questions: the show choir part sure. and the other, you know, the rest of your life. <laughs> well, I was actually um, a trombone player originally. I was a band kid all the way through. I mean, yes. never sung in a choir my whole life yeah. um, until I got to high school. And um, and even then, I did. I never actually did it to my senior year. Um, but my sophomore year, I was just sort of told, like, okay, you're going to be in show choir band now. And I was like, sure, whatever. What is this? As we you do, know, yeah. <laughs> have, having literally no idea what school what's you go going to? on. You know, North Central. Okay. Yeah. So, um, to a good band, a good show choir band. Oh, it was great. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I was hooked. I was hooked right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that I really sort of latched onto early on was just, um, like the amazing things that they were doing with pop music. You know, I was kind of a, I was kind of a music snob, you know, like <laughs> what that only has two chords. Like that's not worth doing, Lame. you know, yeah. like I was, I, I mean, I wasn't totally a classical music guy, you know, cause I did jazz and I yeah. like film scores and that sort of thing. But there was just something about that, like, you know, mm-hmm. the popular music versus the, you know, the instrumental. And I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, what is the, you know, and, and, um, their names were, uh, Mike and Pamela Runyon were the arrangers for the counterpoints okay. and they, um, they were family friends and they, just did amazing stuff with the music and they were the ones that came in and worked with the band every week so we were mm-hmm. working with you know directly with the professionals doing all this stuff i mean he had yeah. he had a doctorate in composition and he was working for the indianapolis symphony you know and so like as oh, a wow. high school yeah you know as a high school student that was really sort of formative um and so i i well and actually i had sort of started arranging before that just just and this this makes me sound really lame, but it just says, you know, like as a trombone player, like sure. I, there was lots of stuff that I wanted to play that wasn't like published for trombone because they're like, these guys aren't good enough to do it. You know, they can't play anything faster than an eighth note, you know? So it was Dude. kind of this, well, I'm I'm better than that. I can do that, you know? So <laughs> well, I feel I, that. I think, the, I, I think the moment that really sealed the deal was uh, it was in um, like seventh grade orchestra. Yeah. And we were doing, and we were doing this, you know, like Lord of the Dance, River Dance, like Celtic thing. And for the sure. violins are up there like, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. And we're literally, we're literally back there going, Maybe like, bum, do that. Bum. maybe two notes, maybe the do down. So. Yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky. And I was just, I was just over that, and you know, and I was, I was better than everyone, right? Of course, so, no, yeah, but of course you were. Yeah. I, but but I just asked my teacher, I'm like, well, hey, can I, can I play that? And she was like, yeah, sure, figure it out, you know. And that kind of started the nice. like, just that 
that idea of like, well, I want to play that. So I'm going to figure out how to play that. Yeah. You know? And then, um, you know, in high school, like so I started, valuable. I was right. I was, I was writing things for, you know, the wind ensemble and yep. the jazz ensemble and kind of getting my feet wet in that way. You know, I, my, and this is funny too. My first copy of finale was actually a, a bootleg download off of Kazaa. <laughs> yes. If you can, if you can, there is such that. very specific time frame technology in everything that tells you, you just exactly said. Exactly yes. when I started. Exactly. Yep. Like um, to a six month I've time paid, frame. And I've paid them lots of money since then. Oh, so yes. Don't worry. I yes. came around I quickly. We, but I think we all did that at some point, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it was just, it was just sort of this. I mean, it, I didn't really have any designs to be an arranger yeah. specifically, but I, but I, I sort of, caught the bug in that sense of just well I want to do this you know like I I, I want to arrange this you know you know Eric Clapton for trombone or whatever yeah, happens to be yeah. you know um and then actually my senior year I started doing actual work for the show choir because okay. um at the time the the women's group didn't have horns in the band they oh, were just doing okay. stock charts you know oh, off sure, of sure, sure. pepper or whatever yeah and so and so Pat we he who was the director, mm -hmm. she asked me if I could, you know, if I could write horn parts for the charts that year. Sure. So that was my very first experience, you know, getting into that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then I, um, I, I started writing for her for that women's group. Like then a couple years later, I started doing the vocals. Okay. Um, and, yeah. and just arranging the show from scratch. And, and I was doing that through college, mm -hmm. um, just kind of on the side and never really expecting that it could turn into a real, career sure. or, or you know or anything substantial I thought maybe it'll be a little bit of extra money on the side mm -hmm. you know for vacations or whatever but totally. I'm gonna have to go figure out something else to you know to make that work so I actually went to school to thinking I was gonna become a film composer and move to LA and move ask. to LA and do that whole thing wow. yeah um and I was and I was doing you know orchestration for you know some of the composers um I went to school at BYU so I was out okay. in Utah um, working with some of the composers out there yeah. and then also doing the show choir thing. But kind of what happened was, you know, like Pat would have a student teacher that would come in mm -hmm. and then they would go get their own job and need an arranger. And so then they call me Makes and then sense. I'd start writing for them, yes. you know, and it just kind of snowballed. So yes. that, you know, those first two seasons I had like one group and then it was, you know, three and then, you know, by year five, <laughs> I had like 10, you know, maybe. Yeah. And, it, and, and it just kind of, and it, and it grew to the point where I realized that I could just keep doing this and yeah. work from home and have my own business and yeah. you know publish whatever I want and kind of have more control over things and and that was really what I wanted to do anyway not specifically show choir but just I wanted to just be able to write the stuff I wanted to write yeah. you know and I I started out in college thinking I was going to major in composition mm -hmm. and then I went you know and I took that you know first level composition class and it was all this like 12 tone avant-garde yeah. stuff oh, and I was sure. like I hate this. Yeah, that's not you a know? jam. <laughs> like, like I think it's absolutely valuable to learn about and sure. to know how to do. You know, like there's definitely places where it comes in handy, but yeah. like I don't. That wasn't the stuff that I found creatively sure. interesting. So, um, eventually, I found my way into the commercial music program. So both of my degrees, I have a, a bachelor and then a master's from Belmont in uh, commercial composition. Oh well, yeah, Belmont. That's. I mean, that's the place to get the, anything so that, commercial. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So that's what took me to Nashville. So that's where I am now. So I, um, but it's funny, you know, I don't really do that much work in Nashville because yeah. I'm so busy doing the show choir thing. <laughs> yes. And and that's not really a thing here. There's, no, I mean, no, I think, it's I think definitely three, not. There's three or four groups maybe in Tennessee, which yeah. is, which is too bad, but. Yeah. And you're there and Linda lives there now, I think. And like, good grief. You've got that's right. like, 
down in Franklin, I think. Yeah, yeah for a, sure. It's it's growing, at least the at least on the professional side of things. And there's just so many parts of the country in general that are like that. Where and, and it does, it takes time and it's slow. You got to get somebody there who really knows a lot about it and is super passionate about it, and they have to do basically what you were describing. You know, like they meet someone, that person gets a job, they start it there. You're like it takes years. Well, I'll do the same. I'll do the shameless plug for you because yeah. I just finished your book this week. Oh, and it's thank very good, you. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. No, but you have to have people there who like know about it first of all yeah and then want to do it and have the energy to sustain it you know and mm -hmm. i and and i do think i don't want to minimize it but you know at all but because uh, it's certainly possible to you know it's it's certainly possible to smart start small and build yes. it up from there but a lot of people it just seems so overwhelming you know when they see all these big groups and it's like well Agreed. i'm just like not gonna touch that mm -hmm. you know With, mm -hmm. i live in the state that's like the home of that <laughs> Texas is like, no, we're very good at choral music. We're not interested in anything else you're selling. Thank you very much. You know, they really just want to live in their right. world of, of, you know, Western, you know, European art song type of stuff. And that's fine. That's fine. And I totally like not mad about it when I was younger. It used to frustrate me. I was like, guys, if we're this good at this, we could be this good. No, nobody wants to hear that. But like as the well, younger well, I have lots crop of thoughts is on that. There. If you want to if you want to derail the whole interview, we can go down that. I honestly, down I could talk about that day. for days if we yeah, no kidding. You can you can derail me anytime you want into any topic that is the vibe of the podcast always is oh Jen thought of something new and now that's all we're talking about but you know I think that was going to come up anyway because when I go through basically okay I'll do your shameless plug now so when I look at like your site and look at the things that you're putting out and I'm on your mailing list so I always get your emails and stuff like that but like you know just this week of course you sent out the new stuff for teaching um arranging in the choral classroom right like my brain literally just saw the topic and went, well, duh, why are we not like, why are we not doing that? Like, why is that not a discussion in choir world? And I can tell you the answer in at least where I am is because we have a, such an intense emphasis on performance. We have a performance to be ready for it. There's a next performance. There's another performance. We have district music contests. We have all state, you know, like, okay, what about the academic portions of choral music? What about like, there's so many things we could be doing that we ignore completely in the pursuit of 5,000 performances a year. There, there's my well, and, and there, soapbox for that And there's moment. so much, and there's so much other stuff that gets thrown on teachers too. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's impossible. And and then they take away your prep period and then they take oh, away, you know, everything sure. else. And then they yep. expect you to keep on doing the same stuff. So, yes. I mean, I don't, I don't fault anybody for not, mm -hmm. you know, starting the show choir or for. Oh, same. You know, I get trying it. Trying to do but, all of this yeah. stuff. But uh, I definitely think, you know, the, I mean, if you're if you're only going to do choral music in your program, then you're only going to catch those kids that are into choral music. But that, if you're also doing yeah. acapella and mm -hmm. jazz and show choir and mm -hmm. these different styles, then you're going to bring in, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, you're going to make a bigger tent mm -hmm. and that's going to help all mm -hmm. aspects of your program. And it's going to help teach your students to love music more Absolutely. because they're going to learn more than just that one thing. That's the frustration for me. That that is the point where I look at people and go, mm, friend, because when they complain, oh, you know, like, I feel like I can't reach kids anymore. How do you recruit? Or, you know, when you're, whenever they're talking about those things. And then I go, well, here's some ideas, you know, like you said, acapella show, you know, go through the list of like, if you widen the genres that you focus on and then the immediate response is, well, no, we don't do that. I'm like, well then you know what? Bye. Have a great life. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like if you're not willing to try something new or open, you know, expand your horizons a little bit, even if it's scary to you personally as a director, because that's a lot of it, is it's like, that's not their jam. They don't feel comfortable with that style of music. They don't know it. They ha don't listen to it. And that's totally fine. Um, but if you're going to, like, cut that off as an option for your students, 
just because you don't feel comfortable, I don't love that. I, I don't think that's a great growth mindset personally. Well, and I, I, I think also, I mean, I don't have a music ed degree, but I don't get the impression that all these other types of music are getting covered, at least not to the same extent no, as choral music, you know? So if that's not something you had in your program, it's mm -hmm. sort of this self-perpetuating thing, right? Like if choral music was the yes. only thing you did in choir, and then you went to college and all they gave you was choral music, like I wouldn't expect you to show up and start doing vocal jazz. True, You true. know, unless unless you got hit by a lightning bolt or you, mm -hmm. or you met somebody who could come in and, mm -hmm. in, and just kind of show you the ropes. I mean, mm -hmm. but, I, but I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think it's helpful Mm -hmm. or would be helpful to push people in, in these sort of directions. Mm -hmm. And I think show choir does a really good job of that too, because so too. you cover such a wide range of music. Totally. I mean, that's one of the things, that's one of the things that I sort of latched onto um, when I decided to make arranging a full-time um, job is the variety of it was, yeah. was really fulfilling for me. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't, it, it may sound like, well, all I do is sit and write show choir music all day, but it's like, one day it's Broadway, the next day totally, it's heavy yes. metal, you know, and and, and then um, the same show, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly, you know, and 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 especially in the beginning, you know, it I kind of looked at it as sort of, uh, you know, musical Sudoku almost. It was sort of this yeah. puzzle. Like I got to figure out how do I take this song that's way out of left field, mm -hmm. you know, and half of it's half of it's a rap, you know, and how right. do I figure out how to turn this into like a choral, yeah, a choral piece, you know, how do I how do I give it enough you know, bones for it to stand on, on, you know, with, on its own with a group of 50 kids singing it. Oh, yeah. And so that I, I found the challenging aspect of it to be exciting. Just how do I figure out how to do this? How do I figure out how to bring it into this world? I, this is kind of out of the order in which I was going to ask this, but I want to hit on it because you kind of just did yourself there. But when you're writing and you talk about your process early on, it was like this, like you said, a, like a Sudoku puzzle, basically trying to make everything fit. So when you're writing now is is the competition is the rubric ever an element in what you're thinking about when you write or are you writing for the kids like where, what ratio of things are you thinking about when you're writing basically so i'm i'm thinking about the rubric when i'm designing the show okay because i want to make sure that all of the different elements are going to be there for them to be successful for sure so i'm going to make sure that they have different styles i'm going to make sure that the pacing works so we're not yeah. kind of shooting ourselves in the foot from the beginning right because mm -hmm. there's only so much i can do if a song sucks right uh, yeah. as an arranger like <laughs> yes. i have to you know i have to have good music it has to make sense together otherwise all year they're just going to hear from the judges well that doesn't make sense right you know? yeah um but when i get into the song itself for me it's more about making it memorable mm -hmm. and making it about about um just like, what can this song do that other songs can't? Yeah, that's a good way to put that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm less sort of calculating with, well, if I put a, you know, if I put a sure. extra chord here, then maybe we'll get a couple of points. You know, that's not, that's not how I think about it. But I do think about, you know, okay, if I'm, if I'm a judge, and this is my 13th show of the day, yeah. and I hear this song, like, am I even going to remember it in an hour? Is there mm -hmm. going to be anything that sticks out? Is there going to be anything to to sort of stay with me yeah. after I'm done watching? So for me, that's that's the biggest compliment that I can get actually is when somebody remembers something from a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because that tells me I that tells me I succeeded. That tells me I did my job. Mm -hmm. Not only was it arranged well, but that means it was a good choice to begin with. Exactly, you hit both of those things when somebody remembers it. You know, because I certainly will hear things where it's like. 
oh, that was interesting. And I thought that was fascinating, but I don't really remember it beyond like, you know, hours later to be memorable. You're right. It has to have both of those things, you know? Well, I think the aspect of judging that a lot of people don't really consider is like, if I'm a clinician and I come in and work with your show, Mm -hmm. like I'll, like, I'll probably love your show. Like you probably pick good music and you're probably like singing, you're probably singing real good, you know? For sure. But but when it's when it's literally the 35th choir I've watched that day, mm-hmm. you know, it might not be as exciting to me. Yeah. And so I think that's where there's sometimes a disconnect between, you know, what mm. we do in rehearsal and the kind of feedback we get. And then when we go to competition and actually mm-hmm. have to put it next to, you know, everything else that's there. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean everything is big and loud and crazy, you know, either. I think some... Yeah, I say this as someone who's not an arranger. I should point this out. I do not arrange. So, like, I mean, I, I've dabbled in it in my life, but I got to a point where I realized this is not <laughs> – Jesus didn't bless me with this gift, so I'm going to let other people do it. But but I will say that, like, I think sometimes, you know, younger arrangers, especially people who are newer to it, um, will tend to throw everything in the kitchen sink at stuff and be like, look, it's huge, it's big, like closers especially, or openers, those sorts of big moments. Or in a ballad, they're like, I'm going to do 65 different chords, it's going to be triple fortissimo four different times in the song. And that, I mean, that's not, (laughs) that's not helpful in any way. Like, there is an artistry to it. What you're saying is like, you know, you get get all these different genres you have to work through, and they have to be true to their own genre, you know? Exactly. And that's why I prefer doing the full show because right. then I can sort of take a look at all the songs and I can sort of spread out my Balance. bag of tricks, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and not have to put everything in each number. And I kind of know, well, I'll put, you know, I'll do my big acapella chorus in this song, but maybe sure. I'll, on this first song, I'll, you know, I won't, I'll do something else. I'll do a, a big band moment here or something, right. you know, just to, just to keep it, keep, keep the variety going and keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a professor in college. Um, he, he shared this analogy of, uh, the the golden brick principle okay you know where is it if you're looking at a big if you're looking at a big wall that's made out of red brick right you know you don't notice any of the individual bricks but you stick in a single gold one well where do you think everyone's gonna look oh yeah absolutely. and so when you're right when you're writing a song or when you're doing an arrangement like you you know you follow most of the rules you do most things mm-hmm. normal but then you throw in that one like really special thing mm-hmm. and then it stands out mm-hmm. oh, you know? yeah. and i think especially i think especially when it comes to i mean the the, the difficulty thing is so hard to judge. Oh, and it it's so really hard to, is. And it's so yeah. hard to be judged, you know, mm-hmm. because the groups that are, the groups that are really talented, they make hard stuff sound easy. Exactly. And so if you, if you, if you're not able to really analyze everything that's in there, mm-hmm. you know, it may not seem as hard as it is. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and just because it's hard doesn't mean it's the right thing to do anyway, you know, but that's right. a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's you know, point. but just but 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 when you when you sort of pick and choose your moments, they stand out more. They're yeah. more memorable, and I think they have a bigger impact. You know, like if you sung for eight part Debussy for three minutes, after a while, it just sounds like singing. You know, yeah, but yeah. if you're going back and forth, there's a lot of interesting things happening. Yeah, you don't want it to lose its impact by overuse. That yeah, that's an excellent point. And you mentioned like you talk about like a ranging bag of tricks. I mean, you know, I think that. Of course, we all want to believe that there's more like inspiration and artistry than that. But I mean, let's be real. There is a point where there's only so many different things that can be done (laughs) in an arrangement style for this medium. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like that. I think you're going to get to a point where it's like nobody's innovating a new way to like make dance breaks, you know, like I don't know how you would do that at this point. Well, for me, it's more about matching, matching the style of the song and what the song is, you know, Mm -hmm. like 
you you know the, I guess the obvious example is you know if if you throw a bunch of random jazz chords in a in a pop song yeah. out of nowhere, yeah, like it's not going to make sense even no. if it's super cool. <laughs> right now, if you're going to make the if you're going to turn the whole song into like a jazz tune, then great, that's you know that's yeah, like postmodern jukebox you know? set or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Totally, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, but you have to be respectful of where the song comes from, and you have to have an understanding of like what's going to make sense mm -hmm. not only with that but but visually too. Yes. How you often know, and, are you and, thinking and sort of, about that element of it when you're arranging? I mean, is that something that ever comes into your mind when you're, are you thinking about like what the visuals could be in a moment? Um, that's sort of impossible to do. Yeah. Because I'm not the one creating the right. choreography, mm -hmm. but I definitely think, um, you have certain moments where you know stuff is going to happen, right. you know, like those, like those transition moments mm -hmm. where you're going from one section to the next, like you can nine times out of 10, you can guess like when they're going to move. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, obviously where dance breaks are going to be and that sort of thing. So you can, you can take that into account mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times I'll just ask the choreographer. Sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, you we'll have, we'll a have a conversation with a lot of them that you, you know, what, know, what are yeah. you, what are you planning on doing here? You know, mm -hmm. should this be a bigger moment mm -hmm. or, you know, is this going to be just a transition where they walk, you know, to the next spot or is this going to be all out dancing? You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's something that's kind of tricky to figure out sometimes. When you do, um, you know, you write the show, it goes over to the choreographers, they get it in their hands, they start choreographing it. It's a few months down the line, right? How often do you feel like you have directors come back and say, hey, this is this part isn't working for us for some reason. Can we change that? Or do you have directors who just kind of do stuff on their own? And how do you feel about that? Well, it doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. Yeah. I feel like I feel like directors are afraid to say That's why I'm asking, because I want you to talk about that. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, OK, well, let, let's get something out of the way here. Yeah. Um, there are things that are easy to fix and there are things that are hard to fix. Tell us which is which. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, changing the key is this dramatic thing. It's literally one click of a button yeah. on my computer, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're gonna if you're gonna go up a third, you know, that might mess up some of the voicings. That's right. gonna but take a, a lot of work. But if you're gonna, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're gonna go half step either way, that's literally one click of my, my mouse and then print, yeah. you know? So if you're fighting this key all year long, mm -hmm. it just, that just, you know, my heart, my yeah, heart can't take just it, tell you know, you. because yeah. it, it would be so easy to fix. Um, yeah. You know, cuts are pretty easy to do. I mean, if, if you just want me to delete these two measures and then figure out how to connect mm -hmm. the two, I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's, and a lot of people, and not a lot of people do cuts on their own. Right. Um, I feel like that I but, see, you know, a fair amount of people yeah, being willing cuts to do that. Cuts happen a lot. Yeah. Um, where, where it usually, where, where I usually get the most, I guess, anxious about it is when, um, you know, there's a group that tells me that they're going to have, you know, 40 kids okay. and they're going to have even voice parts. And then they end up only having two tenors, you know, and oh, so then all these parts yeah. that I wrote, they're not going to sound good, no. you know, or, mm -hmm. or if they tell me they're going to have, you know, three trumpets, three trombones, three saxes, and then they only get, and then they only end up getting one of each. It's like, right. well, that's not going to work the way that I intended. And at a certain point, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Do but, you want them um, to tell you that? Do you want to have well, the opportunity course. to fix I mean, it? I want, I mean, I want my stuff to sound good. Weird. That's so strange. I don't know why. <laughs> well, and and I and I really do try to be a part of the creative team yeah. for the schools I work with, and yeah. you know, and it's impossible to do that for everybody. Sure. And and there's lots of schools where I, you know, I'll do one chart for them, and I and I send it off, and I just sort of say a little prayer that it's good, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I I really do I really do enjoy um, being a part of that 
you know, process yeah. that back and forth of, of, of kind of tweaking it to make things better. Because the other element too is, you know, every time you add a new thing to the show, it changes everything that comes before. There you, you know, go. And, yeah. and, usually, mm -hmm. and usually I'm the first thing, right? Mm -hmm. Usually they start with the music. So yeah. I, send them, I send them the music and, you know, and then they add the choreography and then some of the things didn't work so good because yeah. of the ideas that the choreographer had, you know, and then they add costumes and that changes some of the movement that's no longer as good as we thought, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's all, there's all these sort of steps, you know, you add the band and then something's not jiving. And so yeah. it, it's, it's not about like, this was right or wrong. It's just about, um, you know, how do you get all of these elements to work together? And there's, there's a lot of directors who do that really well and they just sort of tinker with everything all mm -hmm. year and I never hear about it. And there are directors that will send me, you know, pages and pages of, you know, can you look at this? Can you yeah. fix this? Can you do this? You know? Um, so, I mean, it really, I mean, it really runs the gamut, but I, 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 I think you can never just be done with yeah. the show. I mean, you always have to be kind of evaluating where you're at Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what the judges are saying. Oh, yeah. And, and you wouldn't even need judges to be telling you those things. It can be a clinician. It can be just you sitting out in the audience and watching and going, hmm, this feels like it needs. I mean, like, that should be a thing you're evaluating. That should be a thing you're thinking. This is clicking. Why, why not? What could we do? And, and while we're getting on our soapboxes, um, have a this rehearsal where thing. somebody sits in the audience and listens to how the band sounds with the choir. <sighs> I okay. I'm gonna like hide. Uh, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide in my shirt here because I spent years, years being the director who just there was a band and they played the music and it was fine. Like and then I waved my arms at them on Saturday, and and it was fine. And it wasn't until, I mean, gosh, really within the last decade. I hate to say it was that recent where I realized like, oh my, like they could be doing so much more slash they could be making things so much worse slash there's so much going on there that like it's so easy to forget about when you're the vocal person just listening for vocals and watching the choreo to make sure it's not a disaster. Like you can't just ignore your band. <laughs> so I say that as a recovering ignorer of the band. <laughs> do you have, well, again, do you have schools that just, I mean, I think a lot of schools now have someone who does the band separately from if you can if you have the ability to do that a lot of schools are doing sure. that now which is which is helpful that means somebody is always listening for them but i feel like things like auxiliary percussion or you know like that kind of stuff those little tweaks that's the kind of stuff that i feel like happens in rehearsals that not everybody thinks to do that really adds a huge amount to their show can you talk a little bit about just like the detail things like we're always worried about like brass licks and in dance breaks but what about like that interior little magic, you know? Well, I think the first thing you have to do as a director, if you're if you're getting a new piece of music, you have to look at where there's going to be conflict. Because mm. you don't you don't want you don't want your horn section and your vocals to be competing with each other. Sure. So most of the time that means just not having them play while yeah, they're singing happening. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people fight me on that, but you know, like there's only there's only so much we can do. Like this is not this is not professionally mixed, you know, it's all just live that happening on stage. You know, there's there's some ways to do both. There's some mm -hmm. ways to have horns playing at the same mm -hmm. time as the vocals, depending on how it's written, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and we can, I guess we can geek out on that if you want to. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just sort of the basic principles, like you yeah. don't want things conflicting, you don't want things competing. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes from, you know, okay, I'm going to arrange this, this, you know, amazing orchestration from this, you know, Pippin revival, you know, version yeah. on Broadway, and it has all these cool horn parts, and I we don't really think about. Well, okay, that 
that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one thing. I mean, um, dynamics is another big detail thing yeah. that you can constantly be working. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think I mean, gets most forgotten. Of the, well, and that's the thing. You know, I'll, I'll I'll I will I'll judge a lot of these groups, and it's like, okay, listen, your band did not change volume one time. Yeah. Like literally in the whole song. So that tells me, you know, you're not rehearsing it. You're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a question of ability. It's just like, yeah, it's just not present. Yeah. Where, where is it? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and I get, I get when that happens, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, you're sure. putting it all together and it's tough, but you know, when it's happening in March yeah. and April, <laughs> yeah. that's when I start to get kind of annoyed. It's like, I don't want to judge band anymore. This is, this is painful, <laughs> but, um, but there's also, you know, like there's, there's, moments you could um just take the band out completely to highlight a vocal line yeah um you have to make sure you have to make sure that fits with the movement you know Mm -hmm. but if there's a big chord right here and Mm -hmm. you happen to be sort of in between Mm -hmm. dance moves Mm -hmm. you can pull the band out have it be this big huge vocal moment and then kick back into it you know um (laughs) and and you know i don't have the choreography in front of me when i'm writing right and so you may be looking at it after choreo camp and um, you know, maybe the hits mm-hmm. don't line up with the movement. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully your choreographer is listening and matching those up, yes. but, but sometimes they just want to do something different, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so, you know, move, move the hits a couple of beats if you need yeah. to, so it matches up. Or you can add, um, you know, a lot of times on ripples, you can add some cymbal crashes. That's what I was going to say, adding those sorts more, of things. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think, I think is it Iowa, they do the China symbol and everything, yeah. you know, which can get a little overdone, but you know, there's more things you can hit than just that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you can hit toms, you can hit uh, a yeah. uh, snare, a tambourine, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever happens to be again, variety, mm-hmm. but um, you know, just finding those little moments and it really, I mean, I explain it this way. Like, do you know what Foley is? Yes, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so Foley is when, um, it, it, when you're making a it's movie, like sound effects like a, artistry, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, like a Marvel movie or whatever. It's, it's, it's what they add to the movie to make you know it sound like you've just thrown a car off of a building when right. all you've done is thrown a punch. You or know? somebody's walking when down you... the hallway and they add in like the shoe sound of the heel is a little bit clearer, so you really get yeah, that it's vibe. Like yeah, it's like they're on carpet. You're not going to mm-hmm. hear those yeah. shoes, but it just has this effect to it, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and so it's the same thing with choreography. You know, if you throw on a hit with a move. It just makes it pop more. It just yes. makes it more dramatic. Mm-hmm. It just makes it come at you more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a really fun thing to mess around with too. That's I really feel like that's so important. And so I mean, when you're newer to show choir, I think that's one of the things people don't think about. You know, that's certainly a down the road thing. The more show choir you watch, the more you see it, the more you work with other people and ask questions. You go, oh, I could be adding that. Oh, I could. Yeah, it's very important. Totally. It yeah. Really adds um, to the songs. You know, and another thing too with dynamics. Just before I get to say it, you know. Um, not everyone in the band has to think about it in the same way. Um, okay. You know, like the the job of the drummer dynamically ah. is different mm-hmm. than the job of the guitar player or the mm-hmm. bass player. You know, and so mm-hmm. it's not always this one size fits all thing. Yeah. If everyone needs to be quiet, you know, like maybe everybody but the synth needs to be quiet, right. and then you hear this cool new thing mm-hmm. that you haven't heard before. So, I mean. A lot of people do actually mix the band in performance. That's but, gotten more. But it's sort of like sure. mixing. It's sort of mixing live. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're as the conductor. You're back there and you're bringing out these different parts you yes. want to hear. You know, mm-hmm. like this guitar lick is cool. We want to make sure people hear it so everyone mm-hmm. else get quiet. You know, yes. bring that out. Um, mm-hmm. That's gonna do a lot too, just to keep everybody interested and make the make the music pop more. 
What do you feel like, and this may be kind of not a black and white question, but what do you feel like is maybe the ideal combo um, makeup, so to speak? I mean, obviously, when people are starting out, they always know they need they need to add drums to their piano. I mean, that's like the first step when right. people are starting. But like, I feel like, you know, we don't talk about this a lot as vocal people because, again, a lot of the times we don't have great band background. And so we don't always know, like, what makes the most sense? What do you think? Um, I mean, I think the bare minimum is is drums, bass, piano. Right. I mean, like you have to have at least that. Um, my go-to is usually um, three trumpets, two trombones, you know, three or four saxes, and then you know, drums, bass, piano, guitar, um, a synth. You know, maybe an extra percussion, mm -hmm. maybe an extra synth. I mean, I mean, a, a, a lot of times I'll have three trump, three trombones instead of two. You know, or five mm -hmm. saxes instead of three. I mean, if you have it, mm -hmm. you know, great. Um, I think you know, if if you have to choose, you want a more fleshed out rhythm section, right. just because um, of the technology. You know, mm -hmm. if you have a guitar, like mm -hmm. you can you can get all of these effects and pedals yeah. and things to bring out different sounds. You know, if you have a if you have a synth keyboard, you can you can do so many different synth things. You know, or or if you use or if and or you know use a use a synth piano instead of a regular piano mm -hmm. that way if you need to you know for one song switch it to something else you and can. then go back i mean those guys should always be pushing buttons and changing mm -hmm. sounds and and doing stuff mm -hmm. when it comes to horns i mean the basic the basic principle is um the less horns you have the better they have to be well that's an excellent point yes i love that you know like okay. um if if your horns are all sort of mediocre then get like 15 of them and then it'll sound <laughs> it'll sound great you know um if, if you only have one trumpet and and they suck you know like that's gonna be a distraction the whole show oh. they're just gonna go <gasps> you know i just was re-listening to one of mine from a few years ago that i'm like why <laughs> was that a thing we did oh no <laughs> You know, but if you if you're hiring out pros or like college students who are really strong on their instrument, like maybe you can get away with mm -hmm. one sax and one trumpet and one bone because they're all really strong players and they can really add something to it. You know, What's so Indiana's um, philosophy on pros versus kid players. Are you guys in the camp of amateur? I mean, I'm saying you're not in Indiana well, right now. I know, but I mean, we, like we we were in the camp of kid players mm -hmm. i'm still in the camp of kid players mm -hmm. but a lot of people have problems with their marching bands yeah and 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 having band directors not play ball yeah and so there's more and more adult bands mm -hmm. um and it's not really the ideal yeah um i mean i'll give you an example i mean um you had Brad on the podcast yeah. a couple seasons ago yeah. right i mean we had an adult band with him for years mm -hmm. and then they made the switch uh, I want to say three years ago to student band. And I mean, it was night and day, yeah. you know, cause the pro players, the pro players don't get into it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah. showing up and doing the gig for their checks. So it you have to accurate, be really on top of yeah. them mm -hmm. to get them to do everything you want to do. But mm -hmm. the kids, they get invested in it. Mm -hmm. They get excited about it, you know? And so there's just something, you know, intangible that you mm -hmm. get out of that student band. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know, I mean, we're supposed to be educating these students. Right. Right. And, from the in instrumental perspective, I mean, show choir band is the closest thing you're ever going to get to real life pro the experience. Gigging, in high school. yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe maybe the musical. You know, a lot of people yeah. play musical theater gigs, but even then, it's yeah. not the same because mm -hmm. most of the time, the gigs you're going to be playing are going to be small. They're mm -hmm. going to be accompanying vocalists, mm -hmm. and they're going to be you know rhythm section based. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You That's, know, yeah. so mm -hmm. you know, plus plus the whole experience of you know 
I mean, when you're, when competition season hits, you're basically going on tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're learning how to take your show and reproduce it in a different mm-hmm. location and bring all your equipment and yes. set it up and load the truck and all this stuff. With or without a sound check and all of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff that, that happens all the time in the quote unquote real world. Yeah. And that's that's sort of the first exposure you get to it in high school. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, Margie Man's great. Jazz band is great. All that stuff, you know. You but, hit the nail um, on the head, it, though, with band directors not playing ball. I think that's when that happens. It's usually for that reason. And I, you know, I think I've, I've had great relationships with my band directors over the years. And so I've been lucky. But it, it is hard when you get someone who is firmly in the camp of this is my marching season. That is all that matters. Please do not speak to me, which does happen. You know, well, it's even it's even worse when you have people that take all of your brass players to hold a symbol for winter drumline. Yeah, there's a lot of that for sure, too. It's like, really? I know. You're like, can can it not be that guy over there who plays an instrument? But I, I mean, don't need. <laughs> but but I mean, that's the pitch I would make to them, though, is is that, you know, for for these for these horn players, especially, yes. um, certainly like guitar players and bass players and drummers, like this is the kind of stuff they're going to be doing the mm-hmm. rest of their life, whether yeah. or not they major in music or become a professional. Like this is the kinds of experiences yes. that you need to be giving them. And, you know, if there's ways that you can figure out to make it work, I mean, I, I, I do think eventually that it will pay dividends on both sides. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's ever been a situation I've had in my years in the classroom where the band director didn't come back after the fact and go, after watching and being like, oh, that was so cool. And then like, oh, they've really learned a lot about da-da-da-da-da. You know, I mean, and then the ability to bring them in sometimes, I'll bring them in to work with our show band and be like, you know, I'm struggling with tuning the brass throughout this section. Can you listen? And then they get really into it. I mean, if you can draw them in, it's such a beneficial thing on both sides, but that can be hard. Well, and I'll I'll just make I'll just make one more pitch about this. Mm-hmm. You can literally follow any schedule and put your show together and make it work. Like <laughs> no, like no, no. Can, I'm, I, no I'm kidding. I mean, you're correct. I, I, have, yes. <laughs> I, have, I mean, so I, I I went to North Central. I was in Counterpoints. We didn't even look at our competition season music until January. Uh huh. Like we didn't we didn't even get vocals. We didn't get choreography. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean. We, we learned everything. I mean, we basically did one song a week, January, yep. you know, the four weeks of January, first mm-hmm. week of February, we got five songs down mm-hmm. and then middle of February we were competing, you know, mm-hmm. and for the band mm-hmm. that usually meant, I mean, I remember sight reading charts like the, you know, at the preview night, Yeah, you yeah. know, we'd, oh, get, yeah. we'd get this new piece of music and, and, you know, so even if you can't get your, your band until January, yeah. you can still make it work. That- Totally. That's and what and we I get. think yeah. it's and I think it's worth it, you mm-hmm. know, to figure out how to make it work, you know. So if the marching band schedule is intense, you know, like don't try to take them for marching band, but mm-hmm. figure out a way to to make it work in some other way. Well, since you brought that up, this is not specifically band related, but I mean, what you're saying is true about um, all facets of what it is. You know, the model of we need to learn our entire competitive show choreography wise and arranging in June, late June or July, and then we don't compete until February, like that doesn't have to be a thing and people get really married to that boot camp summer model um but i find personally that that the show gets stale a b um you don't need that much time to learn it and i've come to that after being the director of a group that didn't learn theirs until christmas break like and then we competed mid-january so like what you're saying yes that's true about the band but it's also true about all parts of what you're doing if the if the schedule doesn't work for you make the schedule work for you like figure out when you need to go out to compete and work backwards 
and start at a time that makes it okay. It doesn't have to be August that you start the whole time if that doesn't work for you. If you want to start in October and that works for you, great. And then your band starts in January. Great. Like, that's fine, too. You know, or do just a really simple show in the fall. Get the kinks yeah. out and then learn the real learn, stuff later. Learn a couple you know? numbers for a fall concert. Yeah, exactly. So I people, what you're saying about band is true there with all parts. Just that, that thing where we get married to something that is not really important. And we start doing it the way we've always done it for no discernible reason. You know, like... Well, if it doesn't work for you, then do it differently. Um, with the and bands, I will admit, you know, yeah. and I will admit too, like there there are some there are some drawbacks to that mm-hmm. system. I mean, we we were usually a hot mess the first week out, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we, but but we were peaking by the end of the season yeah. as opposed to like coming out real strong and then getting sick of it, you know. So I Which I mean, there's pros and there's pros and cons to it, and there's probably a good middle ground where you can be ready for your first competition, you know, and also not bored. But but you may not be at on a certain level too. It may not work for you. But on a certain level, I think that's healthy too. It's yeah. like the point is not to go win every week. The point is to Grow. get better at this thing and mm-hmm. to have fun and to you know have a great experience. So mm-hmm. you know, if mm-hmm. you only if you only get fourth your first week instead of you know, second, like who cares? You know? It's going to be fine. <laughs> also, if you never make finals, it's still okay as long as you're growing. Also, if you never, I mean, like there's just there's yeah. so many versions of that that you can't judge and say, well, if we you can't know, or go to an, first or week. Or go to an easy, or go to an easy contest yeah. your first week when yeah. you're still working it out. You know, yeah. like be strategic with how you do that. Don't go to the bloodbath right out the gate and not have your show put together. <laughs> you know, that's not going to be a good experience for the kids. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, um, we did a high, we think, started doing hybrid model of band with a lot of schools in Texas because we were running into a lot of the band issues um, where it's like, you know, basically we just see what we have that year and whatever we don't have, we fill in with pro players. And so it's not an all pro pit and it's not all kids. It's usually. Well, and I think that's good too, because it gives it. the students experience playing next to pro. Exactly. So, that's why it's so great. never do, never do a totally pro band mm-hmm. because you want to get the students that are interested. You oh, want to yeah. give them the opportunity, totally. even if it's only one or two guys like that, like that's going to be like, I have great memories of as a freshman in high school playing in, um, I was playing in a community theater, you know, yeah. musical pit. And, 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 you know, we were under the stage and all these old guys were down there, you know, drinking during the show and they brought mm-hmm. me my Welch's grape juice, you know, so and, and it I was, it. <laughs> you know, but it was, it was, I, it was fun. And I learned a lot, you oh, know, yeah. playing next to these, you know, these seasoned veterans yeah. and, um, you know, so I, I also think t- to that point, um, you can be strategic around the music you pick too, when mm-hmm. it comes to the band, like mm-hmm. if you're doing a show that's mostly rock, Maybe you don't need all those horn players if right. it's going to be a fight. Like maybe you get three guitars and go nuts and, and yeah. lean into that style, you know? But yeah. if you're doing a big band show and you're going to tell me you're not having any horns, like, oh, I don't like that. Like maybe you, know? you don't do that this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I do think, I, I mean, nobody nobody ever likes it when I tell them to limit their creativity because of practical reasons. But, you know, <laughs> like if if you're going to do a certain style of but music, really. you need to have. <laughs> yeah. and. and and it's just, I mean, it's just like Broadway, you know, the, the, if you look at the, the pit orchestrations from show to show, they're all yeah. over the place, Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know? So you got to figure out, you know, what is it you want to do and what is it that you really need to mm-hmm. make it happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to have an army of saxophones, you know, in fact, don't if, if maybe have an army of saxophones. There's <laughs> rarely times I feel like that's useful. <laughs> I don't think I've ever fought an instrument more in my life as far as tuning and singing with a choir and all of that stuff goes. Is 
is saxophones. But see, but that means but that means that somebody was writing it with the vocals. They were, and we fixed that. We stopped doing see? that. Yes, but that was see? a learning so expedition. So if you're competing with your vocals, <laughs> you know, a lot of people go copy paste from their vocals into yeah. their horns, and it's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 don't do that. Oh yeah, that person doesn't arrange that way anymore. But there were there were some early years there where I was like, why is this out of tune always? And some smart person finally was like, why are you having saxophones play at the same time as your vocalists? I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah. you know, and and, and 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 I mean, look, I did it too. Everyone does. Yeah, like, I mean, this yeah. Is, this is this is how it happens. You yeah. know, like my my first charts were a mess. Like, oh, don't get me wrong, but that's um, everybody's path, guys. <laughs> yeah, so that's normal. You know, like if you're if you're just starting out arranging and you're listening to us, like go off on all these things, like mm-hmm. and you do them, like don't take it personally. No, we're you laughing know, like, because everybody... we did them. That's what we're saying, exactly. guys. Yep. Like we yep. walked yep. that path. We're just pa- we're just at a place now where we ma- we make other mistakes now as like adults who are you know a certain time we of come up career. with new mistakes exactly. to make every year. and yes. then we'll tell you about them and you won't do them either and everybody will be that's one how, happy family <laughs> that's how you know you're that's how you know you're getting better at your craft is you yes. keep making new mistakes yes if you keep making the same mistakes it's time to learn a new skill so that you can be bad at something else first <laughs> and then move forward <laughs> Exactly. Um, that feels like a great summation place to stop that conversation because you and I could talk about this for a hundred million years. I could tell, um, but I have to ask you the three questions that everybody gets asked because this okay. is the part people love to go look at shows and and look at what we were discussing. So, here we go. First question is: What is your favorite show choir show? And I don't know how much show choir you actually get to watch in in your part of the world and like the way that you interact with us in show choir world. But what is your favorite show you've ever seen? can't have had anything to do with it you couldn't have written any part of it like okay so i knew this was coming because i listened to your podcast i'm so proud so of I you i cheated <laughs> and i actually have i actually have three and i hope that's yes, okay but that's i just picked perfect pick. yes i love and it. everyone just wants to go google these anyway right yep. that's what you want i'm you gonna want to go listen. put them in the in the comments anyway of the podcast you can just click on it and okay. watch it so um hurricane red hot 2018 oh yeah is a great show. I don't know if you saw it, but they I, had, I that did. was I one of the, the big video. church windows that were all animated and they had yep. like this girl that could dance and all that this was stuff. Incredible. It was really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Um, then Decatur Elite Energy 2019. Yes. I saw them. The, hand, the Handmaid's Tale. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you saw, but Sioux City East Headliners 2020 before everything shut down. I did. It was the last thing I saw and then I flew home and then I think I got COVID yeah. like the next week. Basically it was what happened. I was yeah, at their they, 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 they broke. They broke show choir i you are so right and i have not been able to have that conversation with most people because it happened right before the pandemic but i haven't had that transformative of an experience watching a show in years like i and maybe just and maybe it's just going, because what what like, maybe it's just because i'm a trombone player and they started the show with the trombones literally yes, marching everybody on the stage yes, but i don't they did care the funeral great. march from new orleans and they had like the they had the umbrellas and they had the brass and they had the oh guys i mean it's in the it's in the comments but you need to go click on this link if you haven't ever watched it. it is I loved that show that is such a great answer such a great answer and very like I don't know it felt very unexpected not that they don't really have like a thing they're always doing I don't feel like that but um I don't know I just wouldn't have been like oh sure that's what they're gonna do this year and <laughs> wow was it amazing and Tom well, actually I, I, just got an admin job so now there's gonna be a new director there He's going to be yeah. administrating at that same district. So I'll be interested to see the new director and what happens next. Well, I just remember judging that show going like, I don't know. I guess you win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this is amazing. That's a great way to explain it because that's that rarely happens too. where you just watch something. You're like, 
So that's that's you just win, and um, <laughs> I don't know how to score that, but like it was one of those for sure, and that was exhibition when I got to see it because it was their comp. So it was like the end of the oh, day, right. you know, it's like eleven o'clock at night. Everybody's exhausted. Everybody's worried they have COVID. There's all of like these things going on, and then it's that show, and your face just melted. Like it was, oh, it was so great. Okay, well those were excellent answers. Thank you for that. Thank you for cheating and coming up with great answers. Um, tell me now, then you know the second question is your favorite sure. show you've ever been a part of that you either arranged or in some way had your hands in okay i would say um i'm not going to give three on this one because that would be shamelessly self-promoting <laughs> but i would look at um look at the counterpoints 2018 show at nationals okay in in nashville nationals. um and it may be my proudest moment it. yet okay it may be my proudest moment yet because um i guess Spoiler alert, there's a band costume change. <gasps> Stop it right now. Okay, I can't wait. I'm gonna I won't, this I won't say anything else since you haven't seen it. But no, no, I was like, don't um, spoil it for me. Oh yes. <laughs> see, this is the thing about me not ever being on that side of the world to judge anything, is I never get to see anything that's Indiana or Ohio, I feel like, in person. So like I love when it's something like that and I can go look it up and I can nerd out. Band costume change. Bring it on. You said twenty eighteen, right? Yeah, okay. it was a uh, show choir nationals at the Opry. Okay, friends, I will find it for you and I will drop it in the comments as always. Um, okay, awesome. I can't wait to look that up. Okay, and then, you know, I used to ask five of the same questions, but basically the three that stuck out always were the two faves and then this one, which is, I just love hearing people's answers to this. Um, what was your most embarrassing stage moment <laughs> or Ooh, performance <okay>. moment? <laughs> All right, this is a deep cut. Um, I love it. When I was in college, I played trombone for a, um, a, a it was a show choir-ish touring group. Okay. It was, it, it, it was like a Broadway review, but it was like a lot of soloists and there wasn't any risers, but there was, you know, was Americans and or arrangements. people and all that stuff. Uh, it was BYU, yeah, it was BYU Young Ambassadors, mm. which I think may have grown out of I've had two of young former Americans. students that did that. Okay. There. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I was in, I was in their pit. I arranged um, a lot of the show, but we, we were on tour in China. Okay. And um, there was, the, so the open, the, the beginning of the closer uh, starts acapella. Okay. And it was my job to give them the starting note. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I had, this was my third year of playing the show. So I'd gotten kind of used to it, but sure. then that year we had decided to change the key okay. for the new soloist that year. Oh, no. And so you see where this is going. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're in Beijing, we're doing this show. I'm like jet lagged and I play the wrong starting note. Oh God. So I too play a B instead of an A. Too high or too low? Okay, too high. It's too high. Yep. Okay, all right. So then, so, so, and, 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 and everyone in the band looks at me instantly and goes, oh. <laughs> and there was kind of this moment where we were like, can we just can we transpose it on the spot? Can yeah. we do it? You know, we had like we had like a minute before we came in to just sit there and feel bad about what was oh. happening, you know? And then the band all comes in a half step lower than everybody else because they can keep their pitch. And it was just the worst sounding thing oh, I've ever God. heard. I mean, it was awful. It was terrible. And it was all my fault. Do you remember what song And there was nothing was? I could do about it. It was You'll Never Walk Alone. Oh, oh so it's when yep. you walk in. The, like that whole intro uh -huh. solo was mm -hmm. in a different key than the rest. It was, it was like this, well, it was like this, in, it, uh, uh, I think it was, I can't remember his name, is Dominic, what's his face, did it, but it's like the soloist, and, and it's like this, like, eight-part intricate, like, acapella thing, you know, la, 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 you know, and then the band comes in, and it's like, nope, that's not right. Mm -mm. Oh, and you're on tour, mm -mm. and oh, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, after a couple of measures, we got there, but it's like, ugh, anyone in the audience with a brain just, like, 
really did this for a little while just before. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was awful. It was terrible. That's so wonderful. Did you do any writing or any acapella of that kind of stuff? Because, of course, they've got, you know, like vocal point and all that stuff out there. No, I didn't get to do vocal point, unfortunately. Did you want to do vocal point? Is this a sore point in your life? Well, I, ne- I never tried, but it's <laughs> okay, just they're good. wonderful. And looking back, I was like, I probably should have tried to write something for them. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting today. This was very, very fun. You and I could like do six episodes. I have a feeling of just, you know, soapboxing. Well, let's do it. This was fun. Thanks so much. <laughs> 